You're listening to Weld Found, a podcast about belonging in an age of social isolation and disconnection. In this space, we present compelling stories of interest and generosity. We're trying to recover this lost art of community. I'm your host, Tim Coons. Title of today's show, We Work Out and Go to Therapy. By the way, update from episode one of season four. I began the show last month with a story about my cul-de-sac and how my neighbor on the left leans an ideological left, my neighbor on the right, my actual right, leans a strong ideological right, and I'm not making that up. We are going to meet one of them today at the end of the show, so stay tuned. This podcast is made possible by the Weld Community Foundation. The foundation partners with the people of Weld County to help them spread the good, providing connections, resources, and expertise so we can strengthen the bonds that make our communities thrive. Find out more at weldcommunityfoundation.org. Special note, there's a book of Weld County photography by John Fielder coming out in September. You can pre-purchase it with great deals on bulk orders for families and businesses and such at our site as well. Again, that's weldcommunityfoundation.org. With that, let's start today's show. In the 1970s, there was an environmental accident in Iceland. A construction company working with the Icelandic government was setting up a geothermal power plant, and the digging went awry and this saltwater mixture spilled out into some unused lava fields. People thought, well, this will just settle back into the soil and rock, but because of the mixture and sediment, all this saltwater and silt and freshwater, it just pooled there. And it was considered a disaster and people were furious with the government. What were they going to do with this human-made wreck? Now, the people of Iceland are intensely creative. My wife and I, we are artist types, and we've enjoyed music and art that's come out of Iceland for years, and that's where we decided to go for our 10-year anniversary in 2015. That's how I heard about this story. And the people of Iceland's creativity extends beyond just art. It's in their technology too, as they utilize geothermal energy to power much of the country. And then their creativity is in their infrastructure as well. The pipes holding the hot water from the power plants, well, those run under the main highway of Iceland, the Ring Road, and it keeps the road mostly clear of snow and ice, even in the months when the country lives up to its name. Highly creative people. So how do you fix this giant pool of water randomly in a lava field that makes the unusable land out there even more uninhabitable, maybe even dangerous? Well, someone with psoriasis, a skin condition, said, this is a warm saltwater pool with nothing able to live in it, uh, save for some blue-green algae. I wonder if it'd help my skin if I bathed in it. And they did, and it did help them. So the people in the community got together with an idea. What if we turned this disaster into an opportunity? They created a spa out of it. Not just any spa, the Blue Lagoon. And over the years, this spa idea has caught on. It is a premier place to visit, attracting hundreds of thousands a year now to Iceland. It's a special destination if you have an airplane flight with a big layover in Reykjavik, the capital. It's so popular, it's even been featured on shows like The Amazing Race, Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Benny and I, celebrating our 10 years together, made sure to visit it. It was a wonderful experience, so alien looking, with the natural blue water against the volcanic fields as a backdrop. I even, for the first time and probably last time in my life, 
used a mud mask. Fun memories. Here's why I'm telling you this story about Iceland on a podcast about living locally. Here's why. I love hearing stories about creative problem solving. I love it. There's a saltwater spill that won't go away. Let's make a spa. There's a big question over something happening in the community. What are we going to do? How are we going to meet this need, solve this problem, move forward in this stalemate? And someone with some creative thinking comes in with a win-win solution. Personally, I can be such an either-or, black-and-white personality type. I heard this called binary thinking. There's right and wrong. You're in or you're out. And I actually feel like our two-party political system feeds into this. But real life is rarely so simple as binary thinking. There's nuances and more than two paths going forward. So when someone gets creative, I love it. I get surprised by the solution because of my own short-sightedness. Sometimes it feels like magic to me. I've highlighted some creative ideas and problem solving that are going on right here in Weld County on the show before. A couple examples. In the episode titled, Unlikely Family, Habitat for Humanity has a program where they've partnered with Jefferson High School, where most of the students entering there are behind on credits for some reason or another. Habitat posed an idea. What if we introduced those kids to the skills of home building and about caring for others in their community, and we could get volunteers out of the deal? All of a sudden, we have increased graduation numbers at Jefferson and many students getting solid paid construction jobs the moment they graduate. There are so many wins there. Listen to that episode, Unlikely Family, if you wanna hear some incredible stories. Or in the episode titled, Squad One, Jamie Clapp is a licensed counselor and is involved with this agency here in Weld that shows up to 9-11 emergency calls to help with mental health crises. They add some expertise for police and firefighters who might not be equipped to deal with all that. Just a couple of examples of creative problem solving, incredible creative problem solving. What if our community had said of the students behind on credits, well, that's their fault. They need to be held accountable. Guess they won't graduate. Not sure what they're going to do now. Uh, by the way, what kind of neighbor are we creating for ourselves in that way forward? Or what if we had said, police and firefighters, well, they just need to learn all these mental health skills on top of enforcing laws, putting out fires, community education and awareness and prevention. They just need to figure it all out, how to deal with it. That's, again, uncreative black and white thinking. So often, there's a solution out there that might just help everybody. I love that we have smart, ingenious ideas right here in our own backyard. I love it. I love highlighting them. Please send me ones you know about if you're willing to share. On today's episode, titled, We Work Out and Go to Therapy, we start by hearing from Adeo, a nonprofit who does work all over Weld and Larimer County too. They've been serving people with disabilities since 1977. You might have known them as the Greeley Center for Independence. They have that warm water hope therapy pool. They're named ADEO now, A-D-E-O. It's Latin, it means up to this point. And they have an incredible legacy here. A couple years ago, they had a creative idea. ADEO asked, what if we made a workout facility to better serve people with disabilities? This was in 2019, and that kind of gym didn't exist in Greeley. But they asked, what if we also opened up classes to everyone at tiered pricing? 
So someone who pays an average price for a class could cover someone with a disability who might not be able to afford the same class at that price. And we could build community by having an instructor lead us all at the same time, modifying as needed. That's a creative idea. It's a community building idea. So I went to Adeo to work out and I got my butt kicked in a good way. And I had a chance to meet some new people in our community as well. Here's Sarita Reddy, executive director of Adeo. I sat down to hear from her and listen to a bit of her own story. And also from Kristen, a personal trainer at Adeo who helped build this new idea, the Adeo Athletic Center. Friends, here's to a world being made better with creative solutions. Welcome to Weldfound. Uh, I'm Sarita Reddy. I'm the executive director at Adeo, which is uh, which has been around for 42 years in the Greeley community, and I've been at the helm of this organization for about seven years. So what has made you passionate and excited about coming to work every day since? Okay, that's an easy answer. Um, primarily the people we serve. I mean, it's I have worked with people with disabilities. It's I have a personal connection to disability in my own life. I'm one of three sisters, and uh, my youngest sister was born with a developmental disability, and she's four years younger than I am. And so, disability has pretty much always been part of my life. Um, especially when you count the fact that my grandmother was deaf, and I didn't even know she was deaf. I just thought we communicated with her differently. So, there was that. And then um, my oldest child, my son, was born with cerebral palsy. And that's how I kind of got involved, not because of my sister so much. I mean, I've always had a personal connection with disability, but when my, my child was born, it became necessary for me as a parent to be an advocate. And when I became an advocate, I realized how little there was uh, in terms of support for advocates, both parents and other family members and so on. So I started out that way and was in the advocacy world and the policy world for a long time. Um, and then kind of transitioned over in while I lived in Georgia, um, working for a provider agency and I, incredible joy. And so I've worked with people with disabilities my entire career. It was not a career choice I made, you know, in a very um, planned way. But through personal circumstances, I got involved with the disability world and um, recognized that I could do things, I could contribute, I could make people's lives better and have been doing that, you know, for uh, close to three decades now. And... Um, so that's in essence the job here, and so that obviously that's what makes me wake up in the morning and want to come to work. Now that said, the second piece is my team here. You know, this this is a great organization with a great mission, but the folks who work here really bring that mission to life. And um, there are people here who were here before I got here, and so there's, they have longevity and history with this organization in a way that I couldn't have. And uh, they're wonderful about keeping us true. You know, they're sort of the keepers of the flame. And then there are newer people like Kristen who came on board after I did. And people like Kristen bring a new passion and a new vision for directions that we might take to continue to serve people with disabilities and the larger community here. I'm Kristen Mather. I'm the director of fitness here. I do all things exercise um, in our newly remodeled Adeo Athletic Center. And nutrition. And nutrition. <laughs> um, everything that just helps people live happier, healthier lives, basically, is what my role is here. Four years, I think it's four years now, as of September, That's hmm. how long I've been here. I love what I do. Um, it's not just about exercise for me, it's about well-being and helping people to live the fullest lives that they can. Um, 
And what I get to do here is just such a unique way to do that and all the different people I get to work with. Um, it's just motivating, helps me get out of bed, helps me come to work. I definitely don't have a job where I'm like, oh, I don't want to go to work today. It's like, okay, what do I get to do today? It's really cool. A couple of years ago, Kristen and I were talking about the gym and the fact that people with disabilities also need a place to work out, you know, just as much um, as the rest of us who don't have any particular physical disability. And recognized that there wasn't really much that they had to, that, that this area had to offer for anyone with uh, significant physical disabilities. Um, and so we wrote a grant and the purpose of the grant was to sort of figure out is there interest in this? And so we didn't want to, you know, invest in something without knowing whether there was an actual interest in it. And we were supposed to serve 10 people. Word of mouth ended up with 12 because more people wanted in than we had room for technically. Um, and so for a year, Kristen worked with these 12 people and they covered the spectrum, physical disabilities, cognitive disabilities, all kinds of issues in terms of their goals that they needed to work on, whether it was weight loss or weight gain, strength, coordination, mobility, all kinds of things. And she worked with them um, in a couple of different ways. She did individualized one-on-one -on -one types of things with some folks, and then for other people, she did class settings because they wanted, they were happy with the group setting. And she tracked them. She took measures ahead, you know, the pre-measures pre and then the post-measures and tracked them through the 12 months and was able to show very clearly that people not only had immense gains in their physical well-being, but then something that we didn't even talk about, didn't anticipate, didn't really think through, um, emotional well-being, mental well-being, all of these things. And um, one of the stories that I like to tell is about a woman who was coming in to work out with her. She had all kinds of things, you know, including things like diabetes and blood pressure, all of those metrics changed. Um, and she was doing better to the point where she went out and got a job. And then was started to say to Kristen things like the rest of us say, I don't have time, my job comes first. I can't come work out. I mean, that was, that was a truly amazing thing to see happen. So in terms of just that little grant funded program had the impact on this one person's life, but then also on the community at large, because she's now contributing to the community in ways that she wasn't able to before because of the way she felt. So that kind of was the impetus for us, the two of us, to start talking about, what do we do with this? We've got to, we've got to do more, we've got to do better. And um, so we wrote another grant to the World Works Community Foundation, and they gave us money to um, rehab the gym, the space that we have in our building. Our staff basically just did all the work themselves. We I remember you guys talk about that coming in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, knocking down walls, ripping up carpet, yeah. <laughs> putting down the right kind oh, that's of floor, great. you know, all this stuff. Yeah. Have you seen the gym? Nope, not yet. Okay, I'm about to. Oh yeah. Well, when you see it, you'll see it's a really nice space. It's not large, but it's beautiful. I I love it. I like working out there and. Um, so they, she created a space where you can get a really fabulous workout. Mm -hmm. And we were set to have a ribbon cutting with the chamber on March 18th, 2020. And you know exactly what happened right around then. Yeah. And so, yeah. of course, we had to cancel the ribbon cutting and we had to shut down for a little bit mm -hmm. and then gradually sort of reopened that uh, the, the gym. And she's actually got, there are several people 
who come on a regular basis, myself included, nine people that she works with currently are people with disabilities. And they all come consistently. They're some of her most consistent folks that come and work out with her. Um, again, either personal training or um, in class. And then she's also, because of the pandemic, started to offer her sessions on Zoom. If we can make, if we can make the gym a space where people in the community are willing to come and support it, then what it'll allow us to do is provide a sliding fee scale and scholarships for people with disabilities who largely tend to be poor and so unable to afford gym fees and that kind of thing. We really do want to make it an inclusive space. We're also open to the community. It's not just about our residents. It's not just about in this building. We're trying to partner with Weld County or anybody else in close proximity that we, we want to intermingle, get people to work out together to realize that it's it is a community that everybody can do together. Because again, one of the things that Kristen does incredibly well is, and you'll actually, he'll see a demo of it. That's pretty awesome because you're, you're going to be working out with two people who both have um, issues that they're working on physically that, that do not allow them to just do a workout, you know. And so she modifies everything that she does. Fabulous. And so... Uh... As somebody who's just in the community, I don't have connections with with people with disabilities and within my own circles. Um, I can come to you as a personal trainer and begin taking some sort of class, and then my purchase of this and investment in this actually helps uh, the community at large of you working with people who do have disability, disabilities and different goals. Yes. Absolutely. That, that's a huge win, right? It's huge. Yeah, it's cool. So you tailor workouts uh, to the specific individual constantly? Yes. All yeah. Right. So what am I doing today? So what we're going to do is we're going to start with a 16-minute workout where you have three moves. And you I headed in to work out with Kristen leading the way. And as I said, this was an excellent workout. It was like having a session with a personal trainer. You can go and sign up for classes at adeoco.org. That's adeo, A-D-E-O, co, like Colorado, C-O, dot org. And you can see when sessions are available. After my workout, I spoke with Doug. I thought he'd be good to hear from, someone who's an actual practitioner. He's been using the facility continuously since it opened. Doug spoke about his involvement with Adeo and what it's meant to him. Well, my name's Doug Peters, and I live in the Hope Apartments, which is adjacent to Adeo. And they are a organization that uh, manages the apartment and also provides therapy. Um, Adeo, for me, is a place where I can rent an apartment and be independent at the same time. So I can choose how I live my life. I'm a quadriplegic. I have no feeling from my chest down, but I have use of my upper arms. Um, so that's what I can work on, and I do my workouts accordingly. It's a place I can go where I feel comfortable, um, it's very convenient for me, and it's some place where I can get enjoyment from working out, um, similar to what I used to get before I was injured. Um, 
just to get um, the body moving, get some cardio, um, and just have that uh, good feeling after you work out. Yeah. Yeah, it's available to the community at large, as it, it's my understanding. Mm -hmm. and, and it's a great thing to take advantage of. Um, Kristen's a great trainer. She has tons of experience training people, and it shows. Yeah. It sounds like some of the stuff she does is hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Doug, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Well, thank sure. you for taking the time to do this. Huge thank you to Doug for sharing, and to Sarita and Kristen for letting me come and get a great workout and hear about this creative endeavor they've got going. Again, go to adeoco.org if you'd like more info. I began season four of Weld Found with a story. It occurred to me one day, stepping out of my home, the house on my left, it had a Joe Biden bumper sticker and an environmental issue yard sign. The house on my literal left leans an ideological left for sure. And then I looked to my right at my neighbor's Blue Lives Matter flag on his truck. The house on my right leans an ideological right. I live between two distinctive mindsets of our country. It's so fascinating to me that our political divide, our value divide in America isn't just state by state or rural versus urban. It's door to door. So what does it mean to build community with those right next to us, side by side? And I put forward in episode one, I'd be knocking on doors. I'd love to hear from people in my neighborhood how they approach community, and I'd start by making the short trip across the yard. I'm heading to my left first. Today, you're going to meet Dr. Bennett Edgerly. He's a psychiatrist at Red Mountain, working here in Greeley, Colorado. To be honest, this whole idea of featuring my neighbors, it started with him. I'll tell you why in a moment. First, a little bit about Dr. Edgerly and his practice. Yeah, my name is Bennett Edgerly, and I moved back to Greeley in August of 2020, which was the biggest thing to happen to anybody in 2020. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's a bit selfish. Um, with my two beautiful children, Atticus and Lincoln, who are eight and six and my partner, Dominique. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't realize this until today, but you are Dr. Edgerly. Yeah, that's true. And, and so you're Dr. Edgerly, and what's your PhD in? My PhD is in counseling psychology, and my uh, psychologists get a residency and postdoctoral fellowship that help you further identify. And so I identify as a counseling health psychologist, and uh, I've been doing that since 2015, and I've been in mental health since 2006. Okay. When I came to Red Mountain, you, you were totally right. What this program is a teen-based residential treatment program that works primarily only with boys. And these are kids who have comorbid mental health issues. Many of them have substance abuse problems, but that is not required to come here. You can, you can have been a non-substance user who had mental health difficulties and still be coming to Red Mountain. But... Um, we teach meditation and American mindfulness, you know, is the term that we prefer over Buddhism. We don't have anything to do with Buddhism, the religion. And, um, and, and actually that turns people off in many cases to talk about religion. But, um, 
I myself, you know, when I first went to grad school in 2006, was told to look for the, what the research says, and my, my, my other graduate work to sort of reinforce that. I myself had been slow to come to meditation until some really difficult things happened in 2017 in my personal life. My own therapy was going nowhere, and a friend suggested I go to a meditation training, and I did, and it changed my life. And then the data, social science data just became so glaringly obvious. I had to start incorporating mindfulness into my work with people. Totally a surprise to me that I like working with teens more than most people. Uh, my, my original vision was to work with veterans at the VA, but I just have found that teenagers are more fun. Um, and I see gains that most people don't see in their private practice or in practice, I mean. So, um, you know, these kids come from all over America. There are, there are none from Greeley. There are, I think, three or four from the state of Colorado right now, but most of them come from America, or from other states, I mean. And, um, and, and, and then talk about isolation. These kids are, are removed from their families because there's, there's, their behaviors and mental illness has become so severe that they are not considered safe to remain where they were. And so they are dealing with real feelings of rejection and abandonment, although we would argue that's not necessarily abandonment in a clinical sense, or in the traditional sense, I mean, it might be clinically abandonment because they're no longer allowed to stay with their home. But then, so we do the kind of work that you would expect a therapist to do, and then also we get to teach them mindfulness. And, and that starts by basic practices of meditation um, and what happens over the course of six months, up to 12 months, but about six months as our average length of stay, is that these kids, you can just see something changes in them. They're no longer as reactive. They're not as angry. They don't do some of the things that had gotten them in trouble. You know, we take them out into the community every day. Um, we had a couple kids who shoplifted from a gas station down the street. They stole liquor. They broke off campus, went down there, stole liquor, came back. I went and personally paid that that fee. I said, I'm so sorry. I, I never charged their parents. Because um, honestly, it felt like a community thing. Like these are also local business owners. These are local guys. Um, and I, I gave them my cell phone number. If you ever have a teenager in your building again, who steals something from you, text me and I'll, I'll check to see if, if it was any of our boys. But, um, and they never press charges. They have never texted me. Thankfully, it's never happened again. But um, by being in Greeley, we have access to the Rockies, just like local residents know, but these kids are learning how to live a healthy life where they're reintegrating with positive social connections. They're not around their drug, their circle of drug-using friends. They're not around their family system, which is suffering in many ways, whatever it would be for their family, um, et cetera, et cetera. We're sort of showing them how to be a healthy, positive member of the community while also taking care of their own individual needs. So that's a basic description of what we are. I've been planning on talking to Bennett on Weldfound for a while, and here's why. We had really been enjoying things on our cul-de-sac before he and his family moved in. We've been here a couple years, and we were slowly getting to know folks. And then came the Edgerleys, and they single-handedly began connecting everybody. It was incredible to see, with Bennett and his family, these intentional community builders in action. At one point, he told me, 
oh, I have a map of everyone's name and contact from the neighborhood in the garage. If you ever need to connect with someone, he had learned to do this when he was on Neighborhood Watch in Arizona. They teach you to get to know those around you and who has items that could help an emergency. Like if a tree falls down and blocks passage out of the cul-de-sac, who has a chainsaw you can borrow? Things like that. Their presence brought our neighborhood to life. We knew people in our neighborhood. We, we, we kind of like had a little feel for things. Yeah. And then you moved in <laughs> and, and you were a catalyst in our cul-de-sac. Like, like you all of a sudden um, started drawing lines towards each other and be like, oh, have you met this person? And yeah. you were uh, aggressively outgoing. <laughs> and, uh, and, and started to get to know everybody around the block. You gave cards to everybody on the block just saying, this is who we are. Th yeah. These are the names of my kids. I really hope we can have great community here. Yeah. And, um, and, and like the meaningful the the meaningful kinds of connections and interactions that have happened since then hmm. have been wonderful greg and marcia spoke to us before like this last year they were hiding rocks in our yard yeah. like writing notes on our driveway that's how i feel about it wow. um no you've been this like boy you just set a fire around some embers that were already slowly smoldering. First off, thank you for your very kind words. Um, I mean, that my intention was to connect people, but this is a truly like incredibly kind group of people and it was really easy to connect them. I think you said it well when you said that there were embers. I think as a father, I have an obligation to my children to try to create a sense of community in a society that just doesn't seem to connect with each other the way we used to. I remember when I was a kid knowing so many kids in my neighborhood and we all seemed to converge at the park. And and I just didn't experience that in Arizona before I moved back to Colorado. I didn't experience that in Greeley when I lived here 20 years earlier. And I wanted to create a community where people knew they could tell me when my kid did something knuckleheaded or you know that my kids knew to you know, two families on every street that had other kids too. I just, I felt like I owed that to my children. And so um, that, that's the origin of the map. Yeah. yeah. As we talked, I told Bennett about this idea I've been kicking around. I'd love to produce some sort of simple graphics page, like a PDF you can download and have it be about localizing 101. What are the baseline things we can do to really belong and so I was thinking about putting together this like community 101 work, like not worksheet, but just like funny, like have a graphically thing of like, of like, here's, here's what you should do. Like eat locally, like, like find yeah, a favorite local good. restaurant, you know, but as someone who you have a passion for a building community yeah. and you moved into this neighborhood and you just started going at it, what would you say are some, um, basics of like belonging and like building the community around you? Um, that you would give as suggestions to people? Oh boy. Um, <clears throat> the, not necessarily in this order. Mm -hmm. There were my reactions. Uh, first off, turn off your TV. Um, secondly, if you must get news delivered to you outside of the newspaper, listen to local radio. I personally love NPR, but you know, that's not everybody's bag. So uh, those are the, that's kind of the first advice. It has to do with sort of where you're getting your news. And I think the next piece of advice is make it a personal mission to find the name of every person on your street. It is 
to me, it is not okay. If you can throw a rock at their house, you should darn well know their names. Because their kid might throw one at yours. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I mean, yeah. and, and you get, so, yeah. so, and, and, and I know them. So, so learn the names. And then I really like the idea of just spending time in my front yard. It's amazing how much movement there is in our cul-de-sac that you see if you're outside. And, um, and I, this kind of has to do with turning off the TV. Like TV is so good at anchoring you to global issues, understanding what's happening in Myanmar, for example, um, you know, or Iran, how they're debating with us or whatever, but it doesn't do a darn thing for helping me know about what's happening in my local community. Well, we happen to have a, city, a former city council member in our cul-de-sac. We happen to have a former um, union leader. If you hang out in the front yard, You'll strike up a conversation with people at some point. Mm -hmm. no, um. So that's awesome. Turn off the TV. Um, get local news. Get, get some local news. Yep. And then um, learn the names. Learn the names, and then, and then uh, hang out outside a little bit. Yeah. Did you know that there was a study released about two years ago that said that looked at long-term chronic medical health issues, and they identified that social isolation is as significant and in some case worse of a predictor for long-term chronic health than tobacco. I, I've, I've heard that. Um, but it just is, is such a stark, is everybody at this point, you know, I'm old enough to remember when we were still debating whether or not tobacco was bad for you. And, and indeed, I come from tobacco farmers. I mean, we were, this was the personal issue for us. and. And so I know how hard it is to make changes and accept that what you're doing is killing and bad and whatever. And, and I'm telling you, this is the God's honest truth. It still adversely impacts my family to this day that they can't sell tobacco. Um, but to know that it's harmful to your health is like, that's great. I have to do something. Otherwise, I can't let my kids grow up in that culture. I just can't do it. Well, I should just say, I don't know why but we have a need to professionalize something that we didn't need to professionalize. And that is, why do we need to have people providing a structure to create a feeling of group and community? And thank goodness these people are professionalizing, and I'm sorry that's a little self-serving because I'm among those folks, but I think that if we had that philosophy of joining our bowling team, having neighborhood bridge night, if we, if we did what I think our community is doing, our cul-de-sac is doing, wouldn't we all just truly be better? And I, I, that's free. <laughs> and, it's, and, it's, and it's also um, preventative. It makes it so that we can get ahead of problems because we know each other. I brought up with Bennett this idea that we seem to be very separated right now in America. And I wanted to ask him what it's like to have a conservative-leaning neighbor and liberal neighbors in the same cul-de-sac and how do we move forward in community? And he started talking about the house on my right and Adam before I had a chance to bring it up. Bennett begins this part of the conversation by talking about how you can be more than just one thing. That is, going beyond dualistic thinking, an idea that we hit on at the beginning of this episode. And I think if you just knew that you can be two things, you can be, I can disagree with you, but still be a good neighbor. We have a very kind neighbor who lives on the other side of you very kind guy 
who I, who knows so much more about things like help he's gonna help me build my treehouse this year or he's always working on cars and I'm so stupid when, and by the way I worked in a machine sh- in a maintenance shop in the Marine Corps I still can't turn a wrench on my own vehicle but that guy's a wonderful neighbor who I've had a nice time hanging out with and chatting with Atticus, my older son, identifies Mason, their younger child, as his best friend. And last week, I brought over a dozen of the eggs that my chickens have laid, and Stephanie, Adam's wife, gave me a bag of clothes for my children. And at no point did America come up. We talked about our kids and had a friendly moment on the front porch. And um, and honestly, I, I think they're, I love them as neighbors. They're wonderful, wonderful people. Wouldn't it be a shame? And I think this is kind of what drives me, is what if we had never met? What if we did what seems to be happening in America, and we didn't talk, and we wave, we never interact, and then I never learn how to garden from you guys, which I will totally be asking you for some help this year. Or I will, um, I never met your lovely children who I just absolutely adore. You know, we bought the house unseen. We had lost, I think the number was nine times we had bid on homes that we had lost. And, you know, our agent was like, our real estate agent was like bummed with us. I think it was kind of like losing confidence. Like we had bid up, we had paid, we had offered more than people were asking. And, um, and so we finally got this deal, the house unseen, we said, we won't even do an inspection. Um, and on 4th of July weekend, we didn't have anything to do. We had three and a half days. And so my partner and I just drove from... Northern Arizona, we drove the 14-hour drive to, to Greeley, and we pulled into our cul-de-sac and we cried. We just thought, like, this is the potential for the lifestyle that we want to live. And then that, I think about that moment probably twice a week. I can't live down. I'll be, I'll be betraying myself if I don't live up to the expectation that I set then which was this place can be the most incredible family experience. Huge thank you to Dr. Bennett Edgerly for sharing his thoughts today on community and what it means to get to know your own street. And thank you to Sarita and Kristen at Adeo for giving us a glimpse into this new creative idea you've just begun. Again, you can go to adeoco.org to find out more about these classes. And your registration helps make use of the facility for others in need. Thank you to Dave Farrell, a professor at Ames Community College, for extra sound engineering help on this episode. As always, thank you to the Weld Community Foundation, who makes this show possible. For more information, head to weldcommunityfoundation.org. Remember to rate us, like us on social media, share this podcast with a friend. And thanks for listening to Weld Found.